Kamenetsky Brothers Podcast, ESPN LA, Brian Kamenetsky, Andy Kamenetsky. Uh, we're going to get right to it, Andy, because quite literally, they're going to throw us out of the studio at some Yeah, point. it's a big time crunch today in uh, the small studio at ESPN LA, 710 in the LA Live Plaza. For That's people right. who want to find us after the show, <laughs> say hello. <laughs> we like to invite the fans into our lives. Of course, most likely we'll be gone by then because it's a podcast well, jokes not on live them. radio. <laughs> jokes on them. Uh, but anyway, so we, we, we're... we're it's, it's December 1st, too, the by the way. season's a quarter over. Yes, it is. Uh, 20 games in, you are about as close to the quarter mark as you can for an 82-game season. Right, we just the math doesn't really work out. And so it's a good, it's a good time, Andy, to step back and take a look at the, twen- the, t- the 10 and 10... Los Angeles Lakers, they've won 10 times in 20 opportunities. Uh, that did not happen last year. They needed about 40 opportunities to win 10 games last yeah, year. Yeah, I mean, to put this in perspective, last season the 10th win came in January. Again, I remind you, it is December 1st. Right, so uh, it's, it is fair to say that things are going well so far, better than expected. For those of us who might be sitting in this room and took the under on the original Vegas over-under for wins for the season, which was 24-and-a-half, uh, those of us who took the under, I think I'm going to be wrong. Well, for did those you? of us who took the over, feeling pretty good. Did you take the over? I did take the over. By how much? I said I, my my typical magic number was 27. Okay. So you were a little bit more optimistic, yeah. but not wildly so. I mean, it looks like they're going to beat that, too. I mean, the estimations now, I think, are somewhere in the mid-30s. Uh, from Vegas, which is pretty darn impressive given what we thought was going to be coming this year. And it's not even that they're winning. It's a really good 10-10, and 10. like any 10-10 and 10 for the Lakers given where they've I been. I want to correct myself really quickly. Yeah. Last season, win number 10 did not come in January. It came, it came February. February 2nd. That's what I thought. I thought February it came in February 2nd. I didn't know for sure, so I didn't want to, I didn't want to correct you. Well, I just I, want to make sure. I, I was pretty sure about that. Um, I don't want all those people showing up uh, right outside the studio when we're done. Right, also saying, guys, it hasn't been that big of a turnaround. They didn't win game 10 until January, not February. <laughs> you know, one's not that much. Exactly. So anyway, but it's been a really good 10 and 10. It sounds stupid to say that about a team that won 17 games, but they last year, if you look at who they've beaten, I think last the, the game Wednesday in Chicago where they beat the Bulls somehow um, in a very ugly game made them, I want to say, 6-7 and seven against teams over 500. Yes, that would be correct. So that's just that. Really good. A lot of those games coming on the road. Uh, ESPN has something called the BPI, which is basically like a, well, a, a betting kind of thing, a surprise who's supposed to win a game. The Lakers currently lead the league in BPI wins. Where the game, winning games that they were statistically not supposed to, so they're beating good teams, and they're beating teams frequently that they're not supposed to. It's it's reasonable at this point to call what they're doing kind of legitimate. Well, ju- just the six and seven record that you mentioned against teams above five hundred, Brian. Beyond the fact that you know that is legit. I mean, the, even good teams often are around five hundred ish against other good teams. Yes. They've also played 13 teams 500 or better That's this early in the 20 season. 20 of, of the 20. Their schedule to open this season has been extremely difficult, and they're 500. All right, so we got a lot to talk about there. There's some stuff with uh, kind of where we go from here and what maybe we can look forward to for the rest of the season. I think a lot of important stuff that this creates and develops around the Lakers for Luke Walton, which I want to get into. Uh, the news for the Lakers, though, is, is Nick Young right now. Um, D'Angelo Russell, I believe Mike Bresnan tweeted out, is going to get looked at on Monday ahead yes. of the Utah game Yes, and might be back by then. So let's just presume that sometime in the next week or so, Russell will be back. 
Young, though, is going to be out, we'll call it, two to four weeks. See what happens. Give or take. This is a big injury, and that is, in and of itself, kind of amazing. We want to start there, that the idea that Nick Young being gone for two to four weeks is a significant thing that the Lakers have to deal with. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all part of the Nick Young redemption tour that was completely unexpected. I mean, when you think about everything leading up till now, the idea, forget the fact that Nick Young is on this team, because which, every, which in and of itself, it mind-blowing. Nick Young is on the team, in the rotation, starting alongside D'Angelo Russell, the guy that in theory was the reason that Nick Young had to be shipped out of town because the two of them could never be in the same room together right. because of Iggy Gate. And by the way, the, the other and, and it's like nobody cares that Nick is going because Nick has been terrible right. for the last couple of years. So, you know, it, even if, like, well, it's a shame we got to get rid of this good player, but, oh, we didn't. It's as if the Lakers acquired a, a really good mid-tier free agent. And, and he's being productive, but also, too, and this is something that's really obvious, but I've never really heard it spelled out so plainly the reason the lakers have such a good bench you know arguably the best bench in the league you know it's arguably their best weapon is because nick young is playing yes if nick young was not playing somebody from the bench would be a starter and that would make this team significantly different again it's an obvious thing to say but i don't think it's always thought about like in terms of just cause and effect nick young playing is a reason that they have yeah, this bench. No, and so what and when what did Walton say before the, the, the Chicago game? What are they gonna miss most from from Nick? And this is where you really start getting into the uh Stranger Things upside down world. Uh it, it's his defense. Yeah. yeah. They miss Nick's defense. And it actually is not him saying crazy things for the sake of it. Young has been really good using his length, using his size. He's a big guy. I mean, people forget about Nick. He's a really big guard. And so they put him on the James Harden types of the world and having him available, even if he's not always locking yeah, people down stop like Tavo Cephalosha, that's fine. But he's been much more effective, and it makes a big difference in how they can defend and how they allot the bench minutes and all that. And so um, Wednesday, the choice that they made, I thought it was kind of interesting. It was very interesting. We were Travis and I were talking about this before the game and, and on the pregame show, and we, he asked me, "Who do you think is going to start?" I, and I'd gone by what Walton had said the week before when they were short guys. You want to keep that group together because they've been very effective, and the rotation has worked and and all that. But at some point, you start to miss enough guys that you just have to make, you just have to break it up. The only other option that you have is to start Brandon Ingram at the two, because that's it. That's all. That's the only other thing you have there. If you don't want to bring Clarkson and Williams uh, off, if you want to keep him on the bench. I didn't think he'd do it, and he did. And I loved the decision. Not only did uh, Luke Walton opt to start uh, Brandon Ingram, opted to play him pretty much the 40, entire game. 41 minutes. Yeah, he, he basically started while coming off the bench. And it's it, it was interesting because it was, it was a good coaching move. In the sense of it does allow you to keep these two weapons on the bench and, and keep your rotations intact as much as possible. But it's also a really good opportunity to let Brandon Ingram get significant minutes at a position that he hasn't had a chance to play as much this year. He's played a little more, a lot more three, a little bit of four, a little bit of two, but not that kind of. Honestly, he's played more one than two. Yeah, give him, you know, give him more responsibility and all these other things. And so you're kind of combining your your missions together for the course of the season and, and once and giving him the opportunity to do it 
And that leads me to my next thing. I am so all in on Brandon Ingram. These last like five games where he's had a chance to play at 35 minutes a night, I know he's shooting 29%. I know he's got a PER of 7.9, which is basically like yanking a guy out of the D-League. It's I get all that. It's very low. I am so all in. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, you've heard me fawn over Joel Embiid for the last, like, year since yes. I saw him canning yes, three-pointers and all that. And I want to have, like, a million of his basketball babies and all that. I, by the way, if I were you, I'd have the actual babies. Well, that's weird. Because, be, well, and figure, quite frankly, look, I don't think he's interested. Fi- well, figure out a way to charm him. <laughs> We've seen Junior with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Anything is it's possible. possible. He, he was a pregnant man. And he's because a you, money train. Yeah, I was going to say. You want to have the actual babies because the basketball babies, they're not yours. If you watch everything about what Ingram does on the floor and how he carries himself and his willingness to go do things that really he's not totally capable of doing yet and the way he sees the floor and is there's nothing about this that I don't like except the fact that he weighs 73 pounds. That's that's it. That's he's 19. He's younger than Russell was when he came into the league. Yeah, you you see. All you see, all the flashes, and at times, you know, possession after possession after possession, of what the Lakers saw in Brandon Ingram on both sides of the. Really, ball. a lot of I mean, a lot yeah. of people. There were people who thought he should have been drafted over Ben Simmons. I mean, he's, the, you know, really the, good. His length alone is a weapon that most players will never have. Right. I mean, his his length is so disruptive that down the stretch of that game against Chicago, matched against Jimmy Butler who is a way better player than Brandon Ingram and knows every single defensive move and every single defensive strategy that Brandon Ingram is hoping to learn over the course of his career. Jimmy Butler, one of the best defenders in the league, already knows them. So in theory, he knows how to attack Brandon Ingram. But Ingram's length is so bothersome and is such a unique advantage, he made life difficult for Jimmy Butler down the stretch. He did. He's done it. played against kd he's played against so paul many george paul george and he's taken these challenges I, he's even admitted ingram has because i asked him you know are you surprised at the impact you've been able to have defensively and the answer is yes because in high school you don't think brandon he, ingram did not have to work to lock somebody down in high school at duke he probably didn't have, you know when he was asked to play really good defense probably wasn't that hard right. for him to do so he was probably asked to do it down the stretch of games when they really right. matter get locked it? in and in college nobody can have shot anyway so it doesn't matter you can play terrible defense and teams are still going to score 43 points because that's college basketball but you get to the the nba and these even the worst players can generally score against anybody and walton has said this you know i had a, i was just kind of bsing with him and ramona outside the locker uh, the interview room when he doesn't even know what he can do. He doesn't know what he can do. Walton was saying this about Ingram with his length. He, he hasn't figured it out yet. But just his instincts and how to, the tools are there. And it's not like Hashim Thabit length where he's really long and you just hope he's got the skill. He's got the whole skill set. I, I saw yesterday against Chicago. And, and this, is, <laughs> this is just a, a little moment that probably a lot of people didn't notice. And it didn't necessarily matter. But just when you see the utility of Brandon Ingram's length, there was a time he managed to track down his own bobbling of the ball. Like he, he got, he was given the ball, bobbled it, temporarily lost it, but is so long he was <laughs> so able to retrieve the ball and get it back. 
And I was watching this going, that's ridiculous. Yeah, what just he did, His feet did not move. I'm not even sure he took a step forward to do this. Right. And he's learning how to use contact. Like, for a guy who, again, like, we have these cardboard cutouts that are outside the studio of all the Lakers, and they bring him to appearances or whatever. Brandon Ingrams is the only one that's actually a fully 3D rendering of his actual body. He's, an, he's a half an inch thick in real life. But he's actually now learning to go into the lane and take contact and get that arm out and, you know, He's not afraid of anything. That that's what I like because I mean the, the reality is he can be wild as hell around the rim. Some of the shots, he's, but that he's, he's tr- no, he's trying though. He's, he's trying. trying no, no, I there. love that he's trying. I want him to keep trying. And that's another advantage of being at the two is you get to you you get to play against smaller guys and drive. And I, and I like too these extended minutes that Ingram's getting in part because it, it's just going to teach him more and more about dealing with NBA physicality mm-hmm. because he's going to be going up now against. Some of the more physical players in the league, often the better players are the more physical ones. And he's just going to get more run against those guys if his minutes are going to be expanded. And I, I imagine that's going to be the case with Nick Young out. It can only I, help I, him. I think he's, going to, he's certainly, I think, going to keep starting at the two. Um, and I, you, I don't play this game a lot. I really don't. I mean, I, when people ask me about Russell, I, say, I think he's going to be a really good player. I don't, but I don't. I think Brandon Ingram is going to be a star. I don't know how long it's going to take. It's going to take 35, however long 35 pounds takes is how long he's going to take. But I think... Took Glenn Davis about 10 minutes. Right. (laughs) (laughs) People, like, collect food for the holidays and mistakenly leave it in front of him thinking he's one of the people that's supposed to get it. He's that skinny. It, It actually has not been announced but this year's NBA Cares program is Brandon Ingram. It's all devoted. <laughs> it's all the food that they're gathering is for Brandon Ingram. You, with your one dollar donation a day, can feed Brandon Ingram for three months. You know that's. I I I am so excited about what this this kid who again entered the league younger than D'Angelo Russell, I think could be. And maybe know, if I'm overreacting, I am, but I am all in. Look, when, when Kobe, for example, was uh, an 18 year old in the NBA. You could see the star potential in Kobe. You could see why he was drafted straight out of high school. But if memory serves, and I did watch those teams a lot because I was living in L.A. He struggled. Well, not just that he struggled. I I mean, that's to be expected. Everyone struggles. Of course. I don't recall, and I'm pretty sure I'm right, Kobe wasn't given as much responsibility as No, it was a better team. It was a better better team. And look, we know Kobe would have accepted that responsibility. You know that he wanted it. But you didn't even see Kobe given that type of responsibility right away out of the right. league. But what what Ingram is being asked to do mm-hmm. is pretty remarkable for a, a 19-year-old rookie. Yeah, I think so. And, and and But what you did see out of Kobe consistently is you saw the skill set. You knew oh, it was yeah, there. Absolutely. And you saw the same lack of fear. Yep. The, the oh, Of yep. course I can go do that. And you know Kobe's a different. Kobe's a much different guy than Ingram. And I'm not trying to say Ingram's going to be Kobe and all that, but there there's that similarity of the quiet confidence versus a much more brash confidence with Kobe and a different style and all these other things. But again, the thing that I, I love in. most about watching Ingram beyond skill set, beyond the length, beyond the potential, he does not get rattled. Nope. Like he's never even exactly. when he's, even when he's overmatched, Brian Ingram is never overwhelmed. I and I think that's a really, really positive sign moving forward. Um, the other thing I wanted to get to is Walton. And the, the the development of this team has gone a lot faster, I think, than anybody expected it to. Um, you and I have both been huge supporters of Walton from the beginning. 
not even so much in what he does tactically, but you know the, the way he organizes a team, the way he's changed the culture, the way he's working on the ethic. And it's not a style of play. Everybody, oh, he wants to play like Golden State. He wants to play to the best capabilities of the players that he has. Right now he has a group of guys, I think, that kind of approximate that style. Let's get up and down the floor. We'll use our youth. We'll use our athleticism. We can switch a lot. We'll play small, all that. I think you'd be different if you had a bigger team. What I really think is important about this, though, and it doesn't get talked about enough, how much it matters that Walton is the guy right now in the locker room as this team is growing and they're building this culture. Walton is the guy with the most juice of anybody in that locker room. And how much easier that's going to make this process of developing the team for when they're eventually stars, whether homegrown or imported in some way, that Walton's going to be, have a chance to establish himself as one of the, you know, Hopefully premier coaches in the right. league. Uh, I almost used the same expression that I knew I wasn't allowed to use on the radio and couldn't use there. A BFD mm-hmm. um, before these stars come. Because having the same kind of equity, Rick Carlisle, you know, I think Spolster's got it now, certainly Pop, Steve Kerr, where if you have an argument with your star and the owner has to choose between one of the two of you, it's not obvious you go with the player. Most of the time, you go with the player. If Walton can get to there, that is such a, a luxury for this team. Uh, for the franchise, I mean. Absolutely. I mean, look, as as great a player as Kobe was, and as much as he meant ha- and has meant to the Lakers, there was a period where Phil Jackson floated the idea of trading him early on because he didn't like their relationship. He thought that he couldn't get through to Kobe. He thought Kobe was too disruptive a presence on that team as great as he was obviously kobe didn't get traded right and that actually is, a, is another early sign that maybe the lakers shouldn't hire phil as basketball operations guys <laughs> yeah you're right actually trading pre prime kobe <laughs> never never looked at it ahead of five titles <laughs> you're absolutely because right you don't think he's going to be very compatible it's a very good point Brian. yes but but obviously kobe wasn't moved and it was the right decision but there are very few coaches who would have had the cojones to even float that idea in front of their front office without the fear of, okay, Correct. here's our counterpoint. You're, You're fired. fired. Get your ass out of here. Like right, of most, It's insane. Most coaches, if they even float the idea of me and a Kobe Bryant-level player cannot get along, the front office is going to say, would you like a letter of recommendation? Right, exactly. So, like, you know, right now, Julius Randle doesn't have – this is one of the reasons that everybody has bought in so well and that, you know, oh, it's amazing that guys can play between 20 and 30 minutes and then nobody's complaining about their minutes and everybody's happy with the role. Some of that is because their roles have been given out. Everybody's been given responsibility. Everybody's been and they've executed that very well. And I don't mean to, I don't I don't want to undercut the work that Walton and the coaching staff have done, but some of it is in construction. Julius Randle can't pop off about his minutes. Jordan Clarkson can't. They just paid him, especially. Clarkson can't pop off about how many minutes. He's not good enough. None of these guys have enough juice in the league to do that. Well, the good thing with Clarkson, by the way, and I've said this a few times, but a big reason he's not going to complain about his minutes or his role is he's already gotten paid. He's already gotten paid. And, 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 it's, and also it suits him. I it, think he understands I it. Think he's, I, and he plays. He's right. playing and Clarkson plays a, a lot. And, you know, it's not in his nature, I think, to be that guy who's going to start a bleep storm over it. But I do think it helped that he already got paid. I think so, too. And, you know, and everybody – and uh, Randall said this the other night after the Atlanta game. They've got – actually, no, I'm sorry. It was Tark Black. They've, they've got every, 
there's a feeling that the, everyone's going to be around for a little while. So you don't have to worry, you know, I, I, I'll play that guy. They're going to choose between him and me. Everybody's got a, a space that they fit in. And people are going to be, there's the feeling at least that this is a group that's going to be together in, at its core for a while. And that helps too. You know what it's not? Remember in the early to mid 2000s when the Clippers, and, and this was when they were truly poorly run, decided to have like Elton Brand, Lamar Odom, Corey Maggette, Andre Millick, all these guys, instead of extending Elton Brand. Right. Like they, it, there's no possible reason you don't extend Elton Brand in his prime. They decided to let all these guys, all young, none of whom have gotten paid yet, Got text messages, <laughs> all play for their contract right. in, the in the same year. year. And it was a disaster. Yes. And so the Lakers, again, mostly by, by good fortune, have fallen in. But I will say, I will give them credit for this. They fell ass backward in all their draft picks. Yes, they did. That was, Other than Jordan Clarkson. They've, yes, chosen, they they've chosen well, to their credit. Yep. The thing that the, the proactive thing that they did, and I think recognizing both talent and opportunity, was to can Byron Scott quickly and go get Luke. And that was by design. I asked Mitch that question at the press. Did you move Byron this way as good because you were afraid you were going to lose Luke? And the answer was yes. Well, hopefully, you know what? It's a lesson that they could take away from what happened with Mike Brown because they obviously had no confidence in Mike Brown. I don't care how bad your team is performing. You don't fire a coach six games in no, if, if you, you feel him. like he's sure. the guy. And they should have realized – Fire him that offseason. You don't even need an excuse because he wasn't popular with fans. But with Steve Nash coming in, you've got the excuse that you need. We're moving in a completely different direction. Then if you bring in Mike D'Antoni, it suddenly makes sense. Nobody would be thinking about Phil. Hopefully it's a lesson that they could take away. Just, you know what, if you know you need to cut bait for a specific reason, do it. This is arguably, I think, one of the – and this is a thought that just popped in my head. I've talked about the, the way that, that this – start changes the narrative of the team around the league and it's important because agency and it's important because players see it the media sees it people are talking about the lakers in much different terms obviously than they were the last couple years that part i've 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 talked about this really may be like the most important 20 game stretch they've had in in a few decades or you can even around the nba because not only they changed the narrative around the team they've given the players have given themselves an incredible amount of belief and buy-in. They are all in. And this is before the coaching staff and a lot of the players even think they've really gotten the hang of what they're doing. It's effort, it's camaraderie, it's teamwork and all that. And it's given Walton, you know, it's, it's it even strengthened his position and the perception of him as a coach at a time when it's really important that Walton be established in that way. So... This is a profoundly important 20 games that the Lakers have played. And even if they hit a rough patch in the middle, I think it's going to be okay. I don't think any of this is going to get undone. And they, and they of may. What they, I, mean, I, think ske- they, I think they will. Their, their schedule, you know, let's say Nick Young misses the full month that, he, that he's expected to possibly miss. You know, they've got 17 games in that stretch. I believe it's 16 or 17. At, they had at Chicago this for December. And most of this, they basically spend December on the road. Yeah, at Toronto, at Memphis. You know, they catch a break there with Mike Conley out. But still, it's not going to be easy. Hosting Utah, at Houston, hosting Phoenix, hosting Knicks, at Sacramento, at Brooklyn, at Philly, at Cleveland, at Charlotte, at Miami, at Orlando, then hosting the Clippers on Christmas, then hosting Utah again. There's some winnable games in there, They're, but that is right. not it's, an it's, easy that's stretch. That's tough to stay 500 through that with missing a player. But you're right. They, they've already created 
and this showcasing matters. They've already created in 20 games a really strong showcase of what they're building. I'll ask you a question. we got to run because, we're, again, we're going to be thrown out of a studio. The question we asked this morning on the radio, I was filling in with cats. It was, do you want, as a Laker fan, would you rather have the opportunity, would you parlay one of these, two or three of these young players, the, pick three guys off the cover of the media guide, for a star, or do you want to give three years for this to grow? Overwhelmingly. People said, let it grow. I want to let it grow. I, I We've already seen. I mean, Kobe Bryant in 2006, peak Kobe, when he put up 35 points a game, second in MVP voting in, in retrospect. 50 points a game like seven retrospect, times in a Retrospect, you know, should have been MVP. You and I both yes. uh, in the pieces we wrote were wrong about that. In retrospect, he should have been yes. the MVP that year. We had a different understanding of MVP back then than we do now. It's we did, and also, I, you know, you and I might have out-clevered ourselves, I yeah. think, in, in the way we thought about it. And we were also, I think, probably a little bit too close because anytime you're around one player in particular, one team in particular, you see probably more flaws then allows you to really be fair right. in evaluating that player no, versus other players around the league. But anyway, that season of Kobe, you know, and peak Kobe, so peak Kobe of one of the greatest players ever, with Lamar Odom, who is a very good player, had to kill himself to get his team into the playoffs. Yes. So if you're talking about, say, trading, throwing out three guys, Randall Russell and Ingram for Anthony Davis, who is a hell of a player, We've already seen Anthony Davis struggle to lead his team to wins without a great supporting cast. And Anthony Davis, great as he is, is nowhere close to as good as Kobe was in 2006. Nope. Not even close. So my answer is Probably no. Probably not, no. Let it I mean, grow. Even if he is as close, it's still going to be. It's still going to be really. Gonna be, and you're going to be capped out. And then you, you, have to, you have to, at that point, count on players showing up as opposed to yep. knowing what you have. I agree. And if for whatever reason. Free agency doesn't work out for you. You've just got another year of treading water and running in place. Last question before we go. The Lakers are 10-10 and 10 after 20 games. I don't think anybody expected that. What is their record after 40 when we come back at the uh, midpoint of the season? It won't be our next podcast, but when we do this again at the midpoint of the season. I'm going to say 18 and 22. Now, I, I, was about, I was going back between 17 and 18. I'm going to say 18 and 22. I, I think this stretch without Nick, especially not knowing when D'Angelo is going to be back, could be difficult. But seven, even if it's 17 and 23, look, they won would, 17 games last year. I was going to say, you match the win total halfway through the season. That would have them paced, I guess, to win more or less 30 something games. games. 34. You and I always talked about how if they won, you know, 30 to 35 well, if they, if games. If they get to 30, this season is such a that, monumental success. I don't think people realize, you know, because they're going to look at it and say, well, it's, you know, it's in the 30s or whatever. Right, you jumped almost 20, games. <laughs> that, 15, 20. That doesn't happen that, in the NBA. Rarely, if ever, happens. You know, there's a way, there, here's one way to do it. A really good way to win 40 more games than you did the year before. You get uh, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, and Kevin Garnett sure. in their prime. Right. Or, you know, the, the Nets, you know, Byron's second year as a coach. You know, they got Jason Kidd, you know, right. Jason Kidd in his prime. Or they won like 40 or, something extra games. That was Jason Kidd. Or you let, um, uh, you have David Robinson get hurt for the entire year. Let him come back with Tim Duncan that you just drafted. Sure. Now you're going to win a lot more games. Sure. But those are very specific ways to get right. good in. I mean, it, it would be remarkable. Hard to replicate. Very difficult. Um, all right. So we'll be back uh, sooner than that, for, to say the least. Um, in the meantime, uh, you can always, of course, catch us on the pregame and the postgame for now very exciting 
Lakers games. And by the way, when you are down after downloading and listening to this podcast, you via iTunes or the ESPN LA uh, seven ten. However page, you find our show, however you find us, make sure to listen to the interview with Bob, Billy Bob Thornton. Yes, really do that. fun interview ahead of Bad Santa. Also, a, a good interview with Ricky Stern, co-director of the HBO documentary Marathon about the Boston Marathon bombing. Uh, and you should see the movie too. Yes, do those things. We'll see everybody next time.